Hello, Portland. This is Bernie Sanders. You know, I was just on CNN Fake News talking about the Portland protests. I'm kidding. That was a joke. Hello? Are we still on? We're still on. Hello? Don't worry about it. Anyway, I'd like to say thanks to Gregory Day of the Weekly Portland Podcast for having me on. I'm not exactly sure what a podcast is, but my people are looking into it, I assure you. Hello? Is this thing on? Still on, don't worry about it. Hello? Fake news. <laughs> I'm funny. Thank you, Senator Sanders. And for those of you who actually believe that is the real Bernie Sanders, I have a message for you. It just might be. So let's get on with the show. You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. For a complete list of episodes, visit pdxpod.com or find us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And today we have another special guest on the show. Bill Conway is here of The Hard Times. Now, The Hard Times is a parody website. It's sort of like The Onion for punk rock. Thanks for listening to the show. We'll be back in a moment. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. And now for a word from our sponsors. Oh, um, I guess we don't have any. Well, this is awkward, isn't it? By the way, if you're listening on iTunes, please make sure to leave a review. Now, our special guest today is Bill Conway. He's the co-founder of The Hard Times. He's a straight-edge punk rocker. He's a comedian, and he's an editor. He's married. He's got a lot going on, this guy. And we caught up with Bill at the Nines Hotel, basically for irony's sake. I mean, nothing's more punk rock than meeting at the Nines. <laughs> Oh boy, the hard times we had. So it's myself, Brad Pulliam, and our special guest today, Bill Conway at the Nines Hotel. And uh, yes, we're at the the Nines Hotel. For now, until we get kicked out. Right, until they figure out what's going on here. He looks like he's (laughs) supposed to be here, I don't think. Right. (laughs) Um, The hard times, it's a very successful successful venture. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're responsible with your uh, your co-founder. You're the mm-hmm. co-founder of this. Correct. And the future is looking bright. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we started about well, two and a half years ago. Uh, me and two guys from the Bay Area, Matt and Ed Sankum, they're brothers down there. And uh, we'd only I'd met them through my podcast, the Edgeland, that I do. Uh, and we just got together online, Matt kind of posted a thing on facebook one day i'm looking to start like an onion for punk and i was like i got it i'm on it you know and just like i'm in you know and uh, you you had time to do that or i mean was it what was going on in like you were you work a job a regular job a lot of people don't know that day job then stand-up comedy at night then there's podcast and then there's hard times and then there's maintaining a relationship with my fiance and hopefully she doesn't just say like i've had enough of all this crap so it's like five five jobs uh basically (laughs) um but fiance is a job yeah, well, it's it's the best job. Uh, am I right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when we started, like, I just went home that night after, like, Matt kind of pitched the idea, you know, and it was, it was before we had a name, before we had any system, and it was just like I, I just was skating to an open mic, thinking of headlines, putting them in the notes in my phone, and then just went back and I was like, here, here's 100 headlines, you know, let's see what we can do, and we just picked, like, 
six that we liked, and we wrote them, we launched the site, and people started reading it, and we're like, oh, it's more than just our friends. Yeah, and I found it via social media, and you're very big on Facebook, two, what, two, over 200,000 yep, followers now. We just passed 200,000, like, last month. Yeah, but you've set your sites higher. You want to be at Glenn Danzig level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Misfits. So, so yeah, the Misfits have a, a million likes on Facebook, so the Hard Times should have at least a million. That's it. Because if you know the Misfits, then you should like the Hard Times. That, that's my rough estimate of how it should work. I think, well, I think you're on some there, too, because the, the first time I saw articles from you guys was across my Facebook feed from, like, my friends who are still cross-court, who are mm-hmm. still, like, pins and patches. They'll never give up the lifestyle. Right. And they're the ones who are showing that in hooting and hollering. And by doing that, it's bleeding over into, like, the old punk rock guys like myself, who's like, ah, that was me in the day, and, you know, that's how we find out. So I think you guys are, I think you guys can reach a million. I really do. Yeah, and that, that's, we've seen that a lot of people are, like, the, the jaded ex-punk dude seems to relate to it more than anybody, you know? Or yeah. it's like, yeah, oh yeah, I remember a, shows a lot of us, they sucked. A lot of us are ex-punks. That was our entryway into alternative music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely uh, one of those things. Like, I feel like the the punk mentality, you know, is such like an interesting thing. Because even when you're, you know, you, you grow up per se, like it's still like inside you, you know. Like it's you always carry it with you. And so like you see something, you're like, oh, I, I, as long as you recognize like this isn't done by posers, then it's cool, you know. Like as long as it doesn't reek of poser, it's usually pretty good. And I hope the hard times doesn't reek of poser because that would just be heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's because it's, it's kind of like skateboarding. Like, if you skateboarder, you know, I skateboarded for a while and stopped, but I still look at spots. I'm like, yo, that that's a skate spot mm-hmm. where I could get the skate stoppers off real quick if I had this or that. Right. And is that I think that punk rock kind of bleeds over to that mentality. If you do, it, it stays with you for forever, at least. It feels yeah. Like, so it's still with me today, but. And, and then, like with skateboarding, like if something. Like, I was just posting something on Facebook. I was watching some Netflix the other day, and a background character had a shitty, like, Nash skateboard as they walked by, and you can just tell it, like... <laughs> okay, came like, Yeah, it, it's, like, it looks like it's, like, the grip tape is in, has an inch margin on each side. I'm really you know? angry about that. It's... That board costs $25. It's got wheels that were molded together, you know, in two. Like, if you... It's got plastic trucks on it. Come on, just go to, go to a skate shop and be like, hey... The, the kid that just came and bought a new board, can I have his old deck, you know? And then we'll just carry that around, you know? And, like, yeah. there's probably some broken trucks around here. We're not going to skate them. Just, just go to a skate shop. They have parts. You know, tell them you'll give them 40 bucks for a scrap board. You know, they'll give it to you. But, yeah, just carrying around it. Oh, oh, oh man. How does, it, how does it feel to have such a successful run with the hard times? Uh, Sense of accomplishment? Uh, it's surprising to, it's still surprising to me uh, that, that anybody outside of my immediate friend group is like knows about it you know like uh, so that's and it's kind of funny like when people it's a big deal nationally yeah it, it, it's, sometimes people will tell me like internationally we, we do have some Australian fans of, of that the, the hit us up uh, but like when a friend of mine will be like, yeah, somebody in Florida I know was sharing. It's like, yeah, it's the internet. It gets around. Like, cool. You know, I'm glad somebody in Florida knows about it. But they're almost like surprised. Like, Bill, something you're working on is doing well. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, but it's you. I'm like, I know, right? Uh, well, we have a, a, like a series of contributors. Like, we have like a, 
basically a pitch group on Facebook, which is like our writer's room, you know, and so somebody will pitch ahead. You do have a writer's room. A virtual writer's room. So we have like a Facebook pitch group and people will post headlines in there and then however the 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 group responds to the headlines like it's me and the founders will go at the end of the week and kind of uh cherry pick the ones that we like and we kind of so if one of the contributors pitched a headline we like we ask them to write it then they send it to me i edit it make sure it's in the hard times voice you're the editor-in-chief uh matt is the editor matt sank is the editor-in-chief i'm the managing editor and uh so he's in uh, matt's taking care of all the business stuff and making all the deals and sounds like a lot of work it is surprisingly a lot of work. Uh, it, 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 this is a business. It is. It's becoming a legitimate. Like <laughs> yeah, this is taking up a You've lot. of Sold time. out. It, we haven't sold out quite yet, but we're almost there. We're talking with Clorox. We're talking with uh, you know some other big. Uh, I don't know. I'm just kidding. We don't have any <laughs> anything like that. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's it, it's just an interesting. Like it does take up a lot of time. Like my fiance, she works like. 3.30 in the morning, She's a, she works at a bakery, so when she goes to bed at 8.30, that's when I go to work. Again, you know, it's like, all right, time to buckle down for the next four hours and then just do hard time stuff and then try to get at least six or seven hours of sleep, day job, hard times, you know, stand up, try to sneak in some skateboarding here and there uh, so I don't get fat, and then, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. So four hours writing a day? Uh between editing and writing yeah it's it's uh, i i when we first started the site it was matt ed and i writing everything like every article and now we're lucky if we're good for like actually us writing it like one one each a month you know our contributors are writing a lot but we're editing everything so depending on the quality of the first draft is you know but it's it's really just shaping it into like the voice of the hard times is kind of was crafted through my editing, I guess. So I'm just putting it back into somebody's, which is kind of a weird kind of, you know how when you watch The Simpsons now, it's like you just kind of like these people are just writing like how they think The Simpsons want to be written, yeah. you know? And so yeah. the contributors are kind of writing how they think that I want it to be written in a way. So it's kind of a weird like mind thing for me now. Like, oh, they're trying to write in my voice almost. <laughs> oh, that's weird. You, they feel it's not so much as it feels more like they're saying like, how could I get him to select this versus what do I think what they would like or the, the, the target audience would like or something like that. It's, it feels more like they're writing to you, not the audience. I, I think it's kind of a mix of everything. Like when the draft comes in, they, they know, like, because I'll give notes on everything. It's not like I'll, they'll just send it in and I just rewrite it. It's like they'll send it in and I'll just go down, like, line by line. If it's something that I don't like, like, hey, here, watch out for this on the next one and blah, blah, blah. So hopefully the next time they turn something in, it's, you know, got a better flow or whatever, you know. And Who so, wrote the Jack White bit about. Uh, Filing taxes. Yeah, the Jack White files his tax returns on vinyl uh, was a guy, Greg Heller, who's a new contributor to the Greg group. Greg Heller? Yeah. This was very funny. Yeah, that, that, he he is very funny. He did. He's written a couple for us, and each one, that, when they've come in, they were just like, this is, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. And really, okay, so this is all birthed from, from your voice, your aesthetic. They're sort of like contributing, and you pay them? Uh, yeah, every contributor gets paid. Like that was, it's uh, 
Matt comes from uh, the editor in chief. Matt comes from journalism. Uh, he was a music editor at SF Weekly when the Hard Times first started, and That's right. he it was his a big point for him that if anybody works for us in any capacity, we're going to pay them, whether it's one dollar or you know however much we can give them. Like, that's the most important thing is to pay the contributors. So anybody that does art for us, they get paid. Anybody that does uh, an article, they get paid. The only people that aren't really getting paid are, you know, the founders. Well, that's why it's good. That's mm-hmm. why it's good, because people are getting paid, because mm-hmm. you're treating it like a business. Right. Yeah, and it was... Consistently funny. I, I Thank you. There's I, a certain... I mean, usually things start off with a bang, and they sort of level off. Mm-hmm. And you're going on three years now. So, a bit of a legacy. Three years is a long time. It is funny when I see on Twitter when somebody's like, the hard times were better like five years ago. It's like, we weren't around five years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I remember back in 2004 when they were a lot better. (laughs) Or or like repost an article on Twitter and it's like, this one's super old, but it's still funny. And I'll look when it was posted to like four months old. It's like, what's super old to you at this point? Uh, The t-shirts are quite funny too. Yeah, all all the t-shirts are just... Ripoffs of our favorite hardcore albums and stuff like that. So. <laughs> Extra small. Okay. Yeah, you pick one up. Get you're, pretty, you're pretty handy with that website. You knew it pretty well. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I've been around it a little bit. And, okay, and how often is content posted? Uh, we do um, at least two articles a day at this point because we do one that's a proper Hard Times article, and then we have our hard style blog, which kind of is a satirizing, like, the voice of like the blog culture like noisy the vice noisy stuff like that like that's kind of so it's not a direct report it's more of like a either an opinion piece or something like or i you know one that was was like i smoked crack uh for this article and i forgot to take notes or something like that and so it's just a person that's scrambling to remember what their life was like when they did crack uh you know so uh we do at least one of those a day uh and sometimes we'll do like if something big is breaking news, we'll try to crank something out kind of quick. And you know, breaking punk news. Yeah, breaking punk breaking. news. Breaking. You know, like, uh, like when the Misfits reunited last year, that was big news. So it was like, oh right. shit, we need a fucking Misfits post uh, real quick. Um, so you know, it's breaking news that's important to like four people. I'm curious what your take is on this. Like classic punk bands that have a new singer. Uh, yeah, it, it, see, that's that's a tough one because I feel like it is a tough one. I, you're torn. The, the I, th- I think so much with punk is uh, the voice of like you know Dead Kennedys without Jello Biafra I don't care you know like who who is it you know like Jello Biafra is the Dead Kennedys yeah. as far as I'm concerned he's the the lyrical guy I mean the the musicianship is great and all but it's tougher to boy, imitate Jello Biafra the Dead Kennedys that really brings up memories mm-hmm. on cassette yeah I mean uh, so we're. You're you're talking, uh, you know, your fresh fruit for rotting vegetables on cassette, or are we, we talking that? Uh, um, 1989, uh, I remember someone playing it during humanities class, mm-hmm. and we're, we're all just, it was shock and awe. Mm-hmm. Then Public Enemy. Just back to back? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so th- that was a, a class really taking down the government that day. <laughs> it was a cool class. Now, you have a podcast yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us more about this? Uh, yeah, it, it's actually been on a little bit of hiatus because of all the busyness. It has, yes. Um, 
that that's the one thing that's been cut the most because talking to people is actually the hardest thing to do is scheduling things uh but uh it's called edgeland and it's it started i don't know four years ago i guess at this point it was when i first moved to portland uh and i'm coming up in my fourth year here um and i'm straight edge i always have been straight edge it, i've just never drank or smoked or anything like that it's never been my bag or cup of tea if you will and uh so i was like and i don't know if you know this but i also do stand-up comedy and due to a recent uh law passed by senate every stand-up comedian must have a podcast i it's it's a law um yeah and it's just the stand-up community has responded with a lot of bad podcasts and I, I was like, well, what do I know? I can either just sit around with the, my friends and talk about movies, or I can do something that I know about, which is straight edge. And so I came up with the idea, started reaching out to a couple people that I look up to, and they were like, who else has done it so far? I was like, nobody. You're the first person I'm asking. And they're like, all right, I guess I'll try it. And so, you know, a couple people listened to it at first. I got a good reaction. And so it's been going on like three years now. And, uh, yeah, just... I talk with people that are straight edge currently or used to be straight edge and kind of like how that's just shaped their life and, you know, so on. And it really comes down to how'd you get into punk music, really, because, you know, straight edge and punk usually go hand in hand. Yeah, I, now I'm curious because I've known a couple different types of straight edge cats in my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, from your demeanor and talking to you, I really don't get the, the flavor of like your straight edge where you go to shows looking for fights, X on the hand, I'm going to the pit. Oh, I, like, I, I came into this hotel with uh, intentions of knocking beers out of people's hands. Uh, yeah. You know, I, if, there was a guy smoking cigarettes outside. I kicked him in the stomach, and I said... See, I got that you know, vibe. Yeah. I got that. You're, like, you're the diehard, straight-edge, like... Super militant, uh, yeah. And yeah, the, the funny, like, there is the hyper-militant, straight-edge people. They... Any person that you've ever known that was hyper-militant, straight-edge, they are not currently straight-edge. No, they're not. That's yeah. funny, because the buddies, like, I had one buddy... He actually, like, brass knuckles, hit a dude, and the next day they found out that kid died at the hospital. And he ended up joining the military and getting away from everything and just, like, trying to figure his life out, which Mm -hmm. is where I met him. And while I was in, he was still straight edge. He was like, we were all Marines. He's like, we don't drink. You know, I don't drink. I don't do this. And then after he got out, he started, like, smoking weed and cigarettes here and there. And then he started, you know, having a few beers and laying back and stuff. So, But the people that I know are still straight edge were way mellow. Mm-hmm. They still skateboard. They've got functional relationships. They're all happy with their lives. And they're like, I just never needed all that stuff to go along with it. Yeah. I, I think I, I, what I've noticed is, like, there is a, there's just a certain spectrum of people. Like, there's some people... Like me and my my brother and I have like the same exact mentality. We've never had any desire to try anything. Like I don't see like beer, and I'm like, oh, that looks great. Or I I've never had any like thought of like, oh, I wonder what it's like to be drunk. It's never even crossed my mind. Then there's the opposite side of the spectrum. That person that's like, what can I do to get chemically altered? If I drink that rubber cement, how much can I drink before I pass out and die? You know, like there's just it, rubbing alcohol is better, it, not rubber okay. cement for All anybody right. listening. All right. So it, good tip. Uh, but, uh, and then there's the, the people that are like in the, in the middle, I feel like are the hyper militant ones that need to prove something. And mm-hmm. so they're yelling about it the most because they're unsure of what they actually want. And, you know, and then eventually their minds change and, you know, and, whatever you know they're still militant it's just about different topics now that's what i've noticed like they love craft beer now like yeah yeah. i mean well like my one buddy's always and he still loves hardcore he still loves all this stuff but he has he's very militant about his beliefs still 
It was like, well, you just believe something and we're diehard about it, which I love that passion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, most of the militant straight edgers I know, they're no longer, they're still well, militant, but they're no longer straight edge. Right. They're um, still jerks is what you're saying. Yeah, I, I was trying to be nice, but yeah, they can still be an asshole. <laughs> now, but, local punk, there's, there is still a punk scene. Now, you used to see punks all over the place in Pioneer Square. Mm-hmm. Um, I walked a bit with Hammer Grunts, and there is a big scene here. Mm-hmm. Um, working with local folks, what's your involvement? Uh, it, so right now, like I, f- I feel like I am just like that old dude that doesn't do anything anymore. You know, like uh, when I live, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, and so back in the early two thousands, Boston hardcore scene. Old was, dude that doesn't do anything anymore. I, strangely enough, uh, okay. just worked five. And, you know, fake jobs. Uh, well, one real job and four fake jobs. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there's, you know, when I started going to shows when I was in Massachusetts, it was like show every weekend. Friends drive, you know, we'd drive to Connecticut, we'd drive to New York or whatever and see shows. And now it's like, uh, I can't tell you a, a new band. That, there's like two bands that I listen to currently that's like the CDs just in my CD changer in my car. And it's like, that's CD, what I'm listening to. CD, how retro. I know. It's it's this old, uh, you know, device. Spinning disc. Yeah, it's It's a cool. laser disc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've used one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also SLC punk reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I feel like I, I've just fallen off. Uh, you know, I, I don't go to many shows here in Portland. Uh, you know, I... Uh, when when friends bands are playing, I'll, I'll check them out. But for the most part, like I'm just uh, I'm, I'm it not. It was a podcast. Touch. It was it was called the Punk, Portland Punk Podcast, mm-hmm. and I listened to it, and it was quite good. Those guys were. There's a big scene here, and they're very enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you you sort of feel like you've you've because you're sort of seen as a figurehead, um, like it or not. Uh, well, well yeah, I, I would have to say not. Uh, I have to. Uh, I don't know how I feel about. It. Like, I, I did run an open mic at Blackwater, which is a punk venue in town. Like, I did an open mic there for about a year for comedy, uh, and it was what was interesting about doing it there is um, if they didn't have a show. I would do the open mic at nine thirty. If they did have a show, I would do it at eleven thirty after the show. And so sometimes, drunk punks would be hanging out, and they'd be the audience members for bad open mic comedy. And most open mic comedians have no idea how to handle drunk punks or how aggressive they can be. So then they want to list their punk credentials in order to endear themselves to punks. It's like the more you tell them you're punk, the more yeah. they're going to hate you. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. true. Oi, no! <laughs> now, okay, the Hard Times does shows throughout the United States. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, you must have thought about, you know, having a label at some point. That, right? that has been thrown out there. There's nothing concrete. Because uh, we have a guy uh, that is a, a like, Bay Area... Like comedy on the B-side. You know, Kill Rockstars does that now. Right. They release vinyl comedy LPs just like the... The old school mm-hmm. uh, guys used to do George Carlin, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, no, I, I, it's definitely a, a cool aesthetic, and just don't file your taxes on a, a limited seven-inch <laughs> right. single. Uh, it's definitely something. Genius we, we, article. I love that. Okay, uh, <laughs> so possibly a label. About, You've thought about it. Yeah, yeah. We, we, it's. One but of these those live shows, I keep seeing them out on the Hard Times website. Mm-hmm. Um, those are not thrown by you specifically. No, we have. Um, so, comedy-wise, we have 
a New York comedy show. A couple of our contributors are hosts of that. And then we have an L.A. comedy show. A couple of our contributors are hosts of that. And then we have uh, a guy... All comics are bastards. That's the Portland version. Uh, right. And then there's the Hard Times Live, which is the L.A. show, and the Shape of Comedy to Come, which is the New York show. Uh, and then there's just the music shows that are booked, mainly Bay Area, because we have a guy, Nick Bain, down there who's... Uh, a promoter. He's been a promoter in the Bay Area for a long time, and he's uh, he's just does all the hard times live, like music stuff. Uh, we're doing stuff with punk rock bowling in May, and he had a lot of heavy involvement in that. And so, uh, he's the guy that does all the music stuff. And uh, so, any shows have has you know he he's getting bands uh, <laughs> because they respect him because he's been around for so long and then maybe they see the hard times name as well and they go yeah that's cool too but um it was a great audience at your comedy show Mm -hmm. and is that that show is curated by you uh yeah yeah the at least all comics are bastards the portland stand-up show you know I'll, i'll have people that i know comedians from in town that i know will do well and then i'll like play a game that's rel- tangentially related to punk or something that's hard times related um and the crowd is usually a crowd that's already on board with the hard times as a thing they're not just i like live comedy i'm gonna go check it out it's like oh i know what the hard times is so i can sort of know what to expect from this and from what i've heard the new york and la shows are the same way everybody that comes there is on board with the hard times and so they are just ready to go there and laugh as opposed to yeah it's this way of just getting this built-in audience Mm -hmm. that's really great what does the girlfriend think of all this the fiance i mean uh, she she's 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 on board yeah she's fully on board you know yeah. so she's uh, like you or a uh, video game player she she likes to knit uh she's she's much she more mellow uh yeah she you guys she, made it the punk show uh, is it n- a punk rock love story she is she's from alaska where punk has still hasn't reached yet so <laughs> um punk hasn't made its way to alaska yet but uh, we met in San Francisco. Uh, I lived there for six years before moving up to Portland, and uh, we just kind of, as friends groups mor- morphed, our friends groups like came together, and that, that's how we met. And uh, then we moved up to Portland and kind of... Uh, why, why Why did you move? make the move, the jump? The um, cost well, of living? Or? Cost of living. So in San Francisco, we paid $1,500 for an apartment the size of this little nook we're in right now uh, that was on the ground level of a major intersection next to a bar. So every weekend, we'd have to sleep with earplugs in because we'd hear a couple break up outside our window like without, without fail. It'd be me getting up at 2 a.m., opening the window and being like, hey, just take it around the corner. You know, just, I get it. He's a jerk. I know. I know, she's not listening to you. It's cool, but just take it around the corner. Uh, it's I'm trying to sleep. But, uh, and then so... Did, so you played sort of Chuck, the anti-Chuck Woolery, you just... Yeah, exactly. It was the anti-love connection. Uh, but I still did his catchphrase all the time. Uh, I said two and two. We'll be back in two and two. Got it. <laughs> uh, You're pretty sharp. Uh, you know, I watched uh, a lot of Game bad. Show Network. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chuck Woolery is a ardent conservative now not surprised are you active politically are you a political guy i'm very left-leaning very left mm-hmm. and you, you monitor the you know current events for inspiration for articles we, we try to I mean, keep ideas, our finger on the like, pulse yeah. so so you, you're brainstorming mm-hmm. these do you have brainstorming sessions uh sometimes so say something big happens we'll something kind of big something yeah. 
huge. Like uh, I, 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 I don't know what, what has happened lately, but like just bombs. The mother of all bombs. Yeah, we, we had kind of had a brainstorming session around that. Like, is there any? I mean, it sounds crass, but are there any jokes to be made about this? You know, um, I don't but, think it's crass at all. I think I mean, humor is therapeutic. You're supposed yeah. to be able to take tough, hard situations. It's coming from a marine, so yeah, yeah. I know, and it's I because I love crass. I love dark humor. You know, mm-hmm. the guys on Wall Street when NASA when the Challenger exploded were like, NASA stands for need another seven astronauts. Like, <laughs> I remember that? Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of jokes that are being tossed around. But there, I think so. I don't think you should ever apologize for saying you're too. I know. I think there can be lines that can be crossed, especially with certain demographics. You got to know your audience and who you're catering to. Right. You know. But, but ideas. No, these ideas. You, are you ever forced? Do you ever have writer's block? I'm curious okay. about that creative process for you. Uh, so it turns out the only time I ever think of anything creative is in the shower. It's 100%. Woody Allen says that. He yeah. takes sometimes five showers a day. I, 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 that's you know as much as it wastes water. I, I get it because and you remind me a lot of this guy because of my love for underage girls. What are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say like I, I think Woody Allen was taking five showers a day for other reasons too. But yeah, no, you, your demeanor. You did a, a short video for Willamette Week, and it reminded me very much of a, a Woody Allen short, like something he'd make in the seventies when he was at his p- pinnacle, really. Mm-hmm. Big big Woody Allen fan. Daniel Close, too. I kind of got a sense of that from this thing. I, I'd love for you to talk about this video because it's really funny. It's up on YouTube. I'd like to provide a link to it for this podcast. Mm-hmm. How did this happen? This is a very funny video, by the way. Uh, yeah, so uh, now that I, so it was uh, it's actually one of the guys. He's actually in the Hard Times Pitch group now that I remember. His name is Lucas. He's a Portland guy, and he just worked for the Willamette Week, and he just hit me up, and he just said like hey i want to just kind of pitch this to my editor you know and uh would you want to make a video and so i was like yeah and so just picked him up one day and had the camera rolling and it was just like well what do we want to do you know it's just miserable failure after miserable failure yeah and i think that's what's it's funny you know uh and yeah the video just kind of chronic a fake day in the life of me you know which is me going out and trying to spy on punks to get ideas for hard times articles and stuff like that and at, at the time, I was trying a project where I was trying to do a new kickflip every single day on my skate, like a different spot around Portland, which ended up ending on the 311th day when I severely injured my ankle. Um, almost broke it. It was terrible. Happened right over there. Uh, happened downtown by myself and had to walk to my car with my... You could feel my ankle expanding, expanding in my shoe. Out. And then it was... Oh, it was bad. That was that, the worst injury I ever had was an ankle injury from <laughs> skateboarding. It, I, t- I tore ligaments, stretched them out, had blood in the joints. My ankle is the size of a grapefruit. There's a oh my golf God, ball size ball in the size of my... And it was on like a Friday night by myself at a park. Mm-hmm. My friend, I was going to meet up with my friends later, and I ended up in the hospital yep. in the emergency room. And they're like, oh, we're pretty sure it's broken, but we can't we can't know for sure until Monday when the specialist is available. Perfect. Yeah. And so two Quite weeks nice. later, I went back and kickflipped the same spot. It wasn't broken. <laughs> So no, it's so you. What were you doing? Were you kick flipping? Yeah, just it was like a set of four stairs, and I, so I had just gotten these shoes. They weren't broken in yet, and they're still, you know, since it's been winter and I haven't even skated them, I, I, I usually would have worn through these even more by now. But it was a narrow set of four stairs at the top, and if you if you sm- got off the smooth part, you were in rough terrain, you know. Yeah. And so I was n- not warmed up, just trying to kick flip this four stair. Landed it. It was sloppy. I was like, I'm gonna get a better one. Two tries later. 
I rode, rode into the rough, like, so it slowed me down. I threw up a lazy kickflip, and my back foot landed on the truck and just rolled and, like, Ooh. ended up, like, you can see in the video that my bottom of my foot touches my shin. shin. Uh, and then I was like, yep, I think I'm done uh, with this. Right. And then the do- when I went to the doctor, she's, she looked at the ankles, like, that one's the injured one, but your other one looks really messed up, too, just from previous injuries. And she's like, yeah, your foot shouldn't do this. And she was, like, moving it around. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have a lot of problems when I'm older. <laughs> Now you have a sports-related website too. Is that correct? We, yeah, it was a uh, it was kind of a project that we put on hiatus as well, uh, called Gut Check, and it was kind of like uh, going to be like MMA satire because we didn't see any market for that. And I'm a mixed martial arts fan; I, it's my major sport I follow, and uh, it's uh, it just the people that liked it liked it, but. I don't think the average MMA fan knows what satire is, I think. Uh, so they, yeah, so a lot of it, like, it just didn't pick up right away. And the people that liked it liked it, but it wasn't growing. So it was like we're putting a lot of time into it. It's like let's reinvest this time back into the things that do well for us. And when we, if we get to the point where we're full-time, hard times all the time, we can bring that back and, you know, just keep, keep rolling with that. But... Um, now, I thought that was really funny what you said about joking about, I mean, you were joking, you said about spying on punks for ideas. Daniel Close said the same thing about teenage girls for Ghost World. What I'm getting from you is, is kind of an amalgam of Daniel Close, Woody Allen, with a punk twist. Is that is that appropriate? Yeah. I, and I, I think it's probably one of those things where his work was influenced other people and then the the bastardization is probably what I saw, you know, yeah. like eventually. So uh, I, I do not know, like, fully. Like, like goth. Like, you get involved in goth for me with Sisters of Mercy rip-off bands that not have about 10% of the talent. And then you experience the real thing. Mm-hmm. What was the first punk rock band you saw, uh, heard? Uh, let's see. As far as, like, show or the first, like... Music. First music. Uh, so I had a cousin... He was two years older than me, and he kind of introduced me to everything. And my, the first CD I owned was Warzone, some New York hardcore. It was the skate shop I went to. Uh, actually, skateboarding and punk happened the same year. So the, the place that I went to for skateboard stuff, for a very brief window, they sold Victory Records stuff. And so they had a, a Warzone CD. I bought that, and I loved it. Kind of, you know, I don't think I actually did, but I forced myself to like it because I knew I had to. You know, I was like, I, I need to like this. And so I remember in seventh grade for Christmas, I asked for two CDs, Guttermouth Musical Monkey and then Minor Threats Complete Discography. And my mother got me the complete discography, and I thank her for that. She made the right choice because I still listen to that, and I have not listened to Guttermouth in 20 years. Um, and I still listen to Minor Threat. And so uh, thank you, Mom, for making the right choice that day. Uh, but, yeah, so it was just the starter pack of any straight-edge, hardcore kid, you know. It was uh, Minor Threat, you know, Warzone, Earth Crisis, and all that stuff. It's just the uh, straight-edge 101 was right from the start. Uh got into that and but i my first show was a ska show in massachusetts a band called big d and the kids table because you know ska, was, ska, ska was is still big i do bits and and a lot of ska bands are still cherry pop and daddies are they considered ska They're would ska you really light i think yeah i think like op is when i think like ska mm-hmm. yeah 
aren't Sherry Bob and Daddy's playing in Portland soon? I thought I they did. Uh, I did a, a bit for KBTV. But <laughs> <laughs> so when's the marriage? When when is? Have you set a date? Yeah, it's in June. Uh, in so June. coming up quick, you know. And You're gonna be a married man. That's all kinds of material. I I, oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. My my stand-up comedy routine's gonna change entirely. And this routine now, are you gonna record it? Is this gonna be released? I, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't really. There's, I don't think any. There's of, clips of you out there on Helium Comedy Club. Yeah, um, I, I don't think I'm at a point where it's like, because I, I don't have like an hour of material that I'm like, oh, this right. is a straight hour of pure gold, you know. So it's like, until there's even an hour of it, it's like, what kind of, you know. Because, like you were saying, we could do like a split seven inch. So, if somebody wants six minutes of comedy and another friend of mine is doing the I other, think that's set. a great idea. Yeah. I really do. Like that, that's really the only album I could release is a split seven inch of comedy with somebody that I'd be, really be like happy with. But how would you describe your comedy? Uh, I, I think I'm a lot darker than people. Observational. Uh, yeah. Darker. Yeah, I, th- I think I tend to go dark uh, w- with things. Why is this? Uh, my my family has always had like gallows humor, you know. Like uh, my my brother and I always like because my dad died like 13 years ago, and my brother and I have both been told by friends like when you joke about your dead dad, it really makes us uncomfortable. And my brother and I like, just laugh and laugh, you know. It's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's just how we cope. Uh, but uh, I, I think that's you no, know, it's always just had a. Anything I've always enjoyed like a dark sense of humor, and I just think that's where it comes from. You know, Chad Daniels told me that the reason why he thinks that people like comedy is because they like to hear other people's problems. Mm-hmm. Do you talk about your problems? I don't know if I talk about problems so much because I'm I'm a near perfect specimen, you know. I, I, when you really boil it down, or I w- I'm not emotionally capable enough to express those problems without breaking down and crying in front of a room full of strangers. It's one of the two. It's one of the two. Uh, but uh, you seem lighthearted, though, to me. Uh, I mean, you, you say that you're a dog performer, but uh, you seem kind of happy. I I, I try. To, I mean, I don't try. I think I, I'm naturally kind of upbeat. You know, it's not like I'm forcing anything. You know, I don't try to force something. I'm like, oh, today I'm going to go out and I'm going to smile in the mirror for five minutes. You know, right, or something right. like that. Uh, but I, I think I, I do have a lot of negative tendencies. Uh, but being being unhappy is a choice a lot of the times. Like, oh, I that can, is so true. You know. Would you like to send anything to the folks out there in Portland or uh, promote anything, send any shout-outs? Absolutely. There's always thehardtimes.net. That's the number one spot. And then if you want to check out the Hard Times uh, stand-up comedy show, it is the second Wednesday of every month, and it's at the beautiful kickstand comedy space, the converted Chinese-language classroom that is now an improv comedy space, the perfect venue for comedy. Uh, And that's beautiful downtown Portland and... uh, yeah, it's uh, second Wednesday of every month, and yeah, every day the Hard Times has new content on it. So there's one new joke while you're taking a shit in the morning. So so that's the show for this week. Remember to write a review for us on iTunes when you get a chance. And if you'd like to support the show, uh, we're not asking for any money, but we do ask that you like, share, or subscribe. That would be nice. We'll see you next Monday. I'm Gregory Day. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.